and welcome to a very special episode of Black Boy Joy Podcast, In the Flesh, with me, Ainsley. And me, Kieran. And yes, yeah, so this is the first time in, I'd say, well over a year that Kieran yep. and I have been managed to record actually yep. in person. In person. Little um, reunion. Little reunion. <laughs> <laughs> a year-long reunion. <laughs> and we have made space of the studios at Quaker Street in Shoreditch to welcome a past guest onto the podcast. So we are joined again by Father Reverend Javel Brown. He is a curate at St. Patolf without Oldgate in the Diocese of London. He's here to talk about the release of his new book and just to, I guess, just to catch up on everything that's happened since then. So welcome to Blackboard Joy welcome, once Joel. again, Thank Joel. you, thank you. So welcome. good to be back. It is like, we've really picked a day for it. It's I know, like, yeah. it's probably the hottest day of the year. So Scorching. <laughs> when I got to the studio, the studio was like, I just felt like a mess. I, like, the <laughs> people, like, the people who won the studio, they, like, brought me, like, towels so I could, like, wipe myself down. <laughs> like, <laughs> this aircon is fooling us. Well. The air, yeah. yeah, the aircon, yeah. yeah. Like, when we get back outside, I think we're going to be in for a rude Bang awakening. Up. 100%. But it's like, it's really good to see you. You too, you too. Um, I don't know if you know Kieran, actually, that, so, Jarrell did a is it sermon, you'd call it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was at um, St. Paul's Cathedral. That's right. Like, a few months ago, that's right. Had 10 minutes. Yeah, you had 10 minutes to do your thing. And I, uh, me and my partner, we went to kind of just, like, give it a bit of support. And that's the first, first time I saw you, like... Actually preach. Yeah, actually <laughs> yeah. preach, like, in the flesh. But this is the first time <laughs> I've actually, like, met in person. Yeah. And mm. I could see, like, we could see each other's faces. Of course. Like, yeah. we don't have to rely on, like, an internet connection. Or screen. Or Zoom or yeah. screens or anything like that. So, yeah, it's a special episode. Thanks, <laughs> for join- thanks for joining us as well. Yeah, it's amazing. Season. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. So, how have it, how's, how's everything been since the last time? Busy, um, in lots of ways, intense. I've had like a job change, moved, um, life has been mad in lots mm-hmm. of ways. Mm-hmm. The book has finally come out. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a lot, but a lot of it has been good in some ways and, and kind of helped me to get back on track and yeah. focus on mm-hmm. what's coming. So the last time that we spoke, we spoke for, I'd say, nearly a good 90 minutes. Yeah. And good. maybe in the last, like, 10 minutes, like, after, what, 60, 70 minutes of talk about, mm-hmm. like, we talk about, like, what, like, when I care, hymns and stuff. <laughs> Christmas. And yeah, and Christmas <laughs> and everything. And then you decided to drop, like, really late into the conversation that you were, like, in the la- in the latter stage of writing a book. Literally. Yeah, yeah and that was... <laughs> so, by the way, <laughs> passing <laughs> comment. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Most of it wasn't even done. That was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and now, what... What seven months later? Yeah, you're here yeah. with this book that you birthed. Yep. Publication day is thirtieth of July. Yeah. So it's coming up. Take us through the whole name. So it's called. It's long. It's Black, Gay, British, Christian, Queer, the Church and the Famine of Grace. Yeah. Um, and it's um, the Church and the Famine of Grace is a kind of subtitle, really. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it's about two hundred and fifty pages long. It's published with SCM Press. Um, and it has a really good forward by Pamela Lightsey, which did I forward that to you as well? Did you get to read that? I don't think uh, I Okay, got the fine, yeah. fine. Um, it must have come in recently, but that was also great. She's mm-hmm. like, I love her. She's a black queer womanist scholar in um, the States, mm-hmm. and her book, um, Queer Theology, is just incredible. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so, your book, the what, black, gay, British, Christian, queer. <laughs> Very long. <laughs> um, the Famine of Grace. Is the Famine of Grace in the Church or the Famine of Grace? Yeah, the Church and the Famine the of Church Grace. The Church and the Famine of Grace. Yeah. Grace, that's right. So, Kevin and I had the privilege of being able to read it before mm-hmm. we met today. Sure, yeah. sure. And I kind of read it as what I guess I'd call kind of like your exploration of like what grace is, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. how it affects us, what it can do for us, but kind of through the lens of like of what the title suggests of like a yeah. black gay British queer Christian kind of like is that kind of what you intended when you wrote it or basically I think when I started out I wasn't sure where it was going to end up I thought it could be I thought it might be quite an academic book at the beginning mm-hmm. and I thought mm-hmm. that that might be the kind of avenue it would go down um, and then it just began to change more and more mm-hmm. because I suddenly realised that there wasn't much of the American literature that could translate into the UK context mm-hmm. and therefore mm-hmm. I felt like I was kind of starting from scratch because mm-hmm. um there just wasn't anything around that seemed to have done that from a British context. Yeah, um, yeah. Most of the things I read and had to cite were stuff from the US mm-hmm. and it just wasn't the same. Yeah. And I thought, well, if I'm writing to like a younger version of myself, it needs to be as basic as possible on one level. Mm-hmm. But grace is a really difficult concept. Yeah, 100%. As well, so it's kind of a challenge. Yeah. 
I'd not even considered how much of a difficult concept Grace was until I started reading it. Yeah. And I think you yeah. make a good point, well, lots of good points about how we kind of, we have an understanding of it that we've assumed because it's yeah. been put upon us. Actually, no, let's dissect it and think about what it really is. Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, we don't talk about it enough. Yeah. 100%, no, well. yeah. And I think it's one of one of those words that's quite flippant. So yeah. it's used like, um, I remember kind of by the grace of God or things mm. like things of that nature. Mm. But nobody actually sits down and actually thinks about like, what does that actually mean in real terms? Yeah. What does it mean for people? And I think that's like, if you're gonna, well, maybe I should let you kind of like describe your book in a sentence, but if I was, sure. that is what I got the most from it, is kind of like actually taking a deep dive into grace yeah. and how, like, what grace would look, feel, or sound like for us as black queer people, black sure. queer Christians, stuff, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I think my big thing was like, all the things that we say about Jesus and all the things we say about God also say something about human beings. So mm-hmm. if we were like using the technical language, in some ways the book is a kind of Christology, so it's talking about who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. And then it, it talks also about Christian anthropology, so how Christians understand human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if we say that Christ was crucified mm-hmm. and that he was crucified for the sake of the world, then what does that say about black queer bodies? Right? Mm-hmm. But we don't, we don't ever have that kind of joining conversation. Mm-hmm. So one of the things the book tries to do is say, because um, in the beginning I kind of talk about Jesus being born in Bethlehem and why that's important mm-hmm. and why God becoming a human being is a massive deal mm-hmm. um, and why why it's a huge deal too that that person um, who is Jesus, who takes on flesh, you know, lives amongst people who are, you know, prostitutes and um, people who are um, tax collectors and so-called sinners, all this stuff, it says something also about mm-hmm. who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if black Christian people who are queer are apparently outside of the the fault yeah you know, if we're all meant yeah. to be sinners and condemned to hell yeah um then how how do you say that and also accept the fact that jesus you know god became human in jesus for all of us yeah and either that love and that grace is for everyone or it's for no one at all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's really it's, it's a really simple argument in one way it's just yeah. saying yeah grace can't be selective yeah you know actually i think that is probably one of the points that you've hit on mm. but i'll go into a bit later but we'll, we'll talk about now it's sure. kind sure. of the idea of I think the way that you've written about it in the kind of like in the book mm. kind of puts it in a place where like grace is kind of like it has conditions to it. Right. So like yeah. you have to be a certain type of person, mm. you have to act a certain type of way, mm. like without even any questions, you have to be heterosexual. Yeah. There's no room, like you get God's grace if you tick these boxes, exactly. if you meet this criteria. Yeah. And in your book, that's like just completely different, like yeah. the way you think about it. So. And like, I think even like, because obviously the book is, I feel like it's kind of like academic, but in mm. one one part, a bit personal as yeah, well. Yeah, sure, sure. And so the thing that you were describing, I feel like I could really relate to. Yeah. Is that good. I think you don't even think about, so I didn't even think about me thinking to receive God's grace. Mm. I can just be this person. I can yeah. just be a person. Yeah. I think by default, I was thinking that, I'm, that God's grace isn't for me. <laughs> Because I feel, well, I've been made to feel like I can't hit even the basic standard mm. that it would be to be kind of like mm. a faithful Christian. Yeah. yeah. Worthy yeah. of having any kind of grace, of if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 That's the most poignant thing that stood out to me is that um, what Andy was saying that we've kind of got this idea of grace that you have to earn it and you have to work for it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's for people who look a certain way or act a certain yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, and I got the impression you were kind of saying a lot of that perception we have of it is based on my sort of teachings of the church yeah. yes. rather than us just looking at directly the scripture and things and saying what is actually being said here. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, yeah. One of the things I found really interesting is that I committed at first to not talk about too many like theologians and I end up quoting a lot of the eldest, like yeah. the oldest um, Christian theologians from like the early church, most of whom are African, of course. So mm-hmm. like people like um, Athanasius and Tertullian, Irenaeus, all of these people Mm -hmm. um, who come out of this kind of Alexandrian context in in Egypt, Mm -hmm. but they're the ones who are also very committed to this idea that actually everyone is made in the image of God, and that's a really big thing. Mm -hmm. And I found it really fascinating that as a black queer Christian in the 21st century, one of the biggest sources for me making this argument was ancient African Christian writers, Mm -hmm. um, who have often been used against us. Yeah. But who actually, I think, make the strongest argument for saying, you know, everyone is made in the image of God and you cannot make an argument contrary to that yeah mm. without making some really bizarre um you know without doing some really bizarre gymnastics with theology and with scripture yeah um, yeah that just don't make sense yeah i'm wondering like in your way because the kind of like grace is kind of like the lens that you kind of like use to 
and I'm like talk about the love of God and talk mm-hmm. about like us as like black queer British people. Yeah. But like Grace, I guess you could say like one specific part of like having spirituality. Yeah. Like what was it yeah. specifically about that that one aspect of it that made you want to kind of like write a book about it mm-hmm. or like go so deep into it? So I did, the whole book actually started in 2019. I went to an academic conference and gave a paper on um, black queer bodies and grace, basically, mm-hmm. so that's where it started. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suddenly realised at that kind of um, conference that there was ma- there was a lot more to be said about this. Mm-hmm. And that actually, I became really convinced at that point that actually how we fame grace, how grace has been famed for so long, just doesn't make sense of grace. Mm-hmm. You know, so someone like St. Augustine, who, was, who is an African um, scholar from the past, um, writes about grace but only ever through the lens of sin essentially and he ties grace up with like the will mm-hmm. so then grace becomes this kind of thing where in order to have it you have to you kind of have to show that you've you've gone through a conversion experience yeah. and actually grace if it's really at work in you will mean that you become a different kind of person mm-hmm. now that's cool unless you're part of the LGBTQ plus community mm-hmm. in which that experience of grace being witnessed in your life usually means you have to become straight or celibate Mm-hmm, right? yeah. And that's when it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're, we're happy with grace being shown um, to people whose marriages have fallen apart, for example, mm-hmm. but they're still heterosexual. Yeah, or people you've had yeah. like children out of wedlock. Exactly. Is a really great classic mm-hmm. example. Well, you know, I used to be a drug addict and I, I repented, now I'm no longer yeah. a drug addict. But the reality is, you still, ha- you still are fundamentally the same person. Mm-hmm. When we talk about grace and the LGBTQ plus folk, we're really saying you need to no longer be LGBT. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the problem. Yeah. So it's extended, yeah. it's extended to people who have maybe had actions which are seen as questionable. Exactly. But, but yeah. whereas for ourselves, it's kind of who you are, your identity. It's if, something, yeah. something that you can't change, but some people think you can change. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that's a really big thing. I think that's, you know, I talk a lo- also about the kind of the violence of the church yes. in its theology. And that's also something I think grace has often been used mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as a weapon in a way. As yeah, well. 100%. Um, so. I think that's true. I think, so there are you mentioned a few things about kind of like violence in the church mm. and you i'd say would you make that clear in like no uncertain terms <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah this has come up a lot yeah. lots of people <laughs> oh bless no. so one of my favorite parts <laughs> passages in it i might try and get it off i think i know what this <laughs> i can um give me a moment while i get the book off so it, I know it's page 112. Actually, I'm on it right now. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. It's that early on. So, yeah, <laughs> it's talking about basically like the church and white supremacy. Right, okay. And it basically says that we absorb white supremacy in theoretical... Oh, my God, let me start that again. <laughs> we absorb white supremacy in theological language and metaphors, even holy scripture. To a certain degree, white supremacy is Christianity's child that is never acknowledged that its own blood. So mm. that's kind of like one of the like one of the, the many passages. That wasn't what I thought you were gonna choose. I mean it's banned on though. Like, yeah, because yeah, like yeah, might like, ruffle some feathers, but yeah, when I was when I yeah when I read that bit, I was like, God, you know, like you could like didn't have to snatch for a week like, like. Just dragged the church. <laughs> no. Jaws were rocked. Yeah. Now and then. It's true. Has anyone like has anyone had any part in it that might have like asked you to like dial down some of the stuff that you tried to say in the book or no? Has it been? I've been really lucky. So my publisher has been really supportive mm-hmm. and has just kind of understood where I'm coming from. And you know, um, on the whole, this is a white publishing company, and mm-hmm. it's been really supportive. I think they recognise underrepresentation amongst their writers and are really working on that and realise mm-hmm. that. You know, you can't really ask a black person to write about their experience of what it means to be black and queer in the church and mm-hmm. then release that to the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, so there's some things where um, I had an idea for a cover, for example, which we had to kind of negotiate with in the end. We went with, with something else. I had, <laughs> I wanted to use, you know, Ajami X. Yeah. One of his yeah. um, photographs and he's a great friend of mine. And there was a perfect photograph that I would have loved to have used, but that was a bit too far. So that was right. fine. But okay. not in terms of the language, it's been fine, really. Yeah. Um, and that thing about the church is kind of abandoned child. They don't. It doesn't. Yeah, they don't speak <coughs> of, you know, yeah, recognize they, yeah. um, or accept as its own is something I think that the church is kind of wrestling with at the moment in the sense that there's all this racism in society mm-hmm. and the church is constantly saying about how bad it is. Mm-hmm. But then we don't look at where that really began. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's not that kind of culpability or responsibility for how theology and how the church has perpetuated 
you know, whiteness as a symbol of holiness mm -hmm, throughout yeah. centuries. 100%, yeah. Um, and still does it in, in so many ways. Yeah. I think. Yeah, being washed of your sins and made to be white as well, snow. Exactly. Yeah. Like these sort of statues of, of Jesus yeah. and Mary and like, you know, just yeah. like porcelain and white skin and everything. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's a problem. It's yeah. Across the board as well. Yeah, you know? And I don't, I've always said that I don't think the transatlantic slave trade could have happened if whiteness didn't become synonymous with God. Yeah. And that's something mm. that the church does. Yeah, 100%. Because at that point, everything that isn't white is therefore not sacred. Yeah. yeah. And so the image of God wasn't seen in black people. Of course, it's not going to be seen in black LGBTQ plus people. Yeah, 100%. Because we're like yeah. the lowest of the pile, right? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I think that was, I think that what you say, kind of like about Christianity, spirituality, especially in this country mm. and uh, in Europe and the US as kind of just being complete bound in whiteness is like something we know, but we don't necessarily like, I've, I've never read any kind of like, any like spiritual text before other than the Bible. So you don't hear it in those terms, really. You don't hear mm. like, it's kind of like something that we know, but we don't speak about. It's yeah. just like this unspoken thing. Mm. And it's raging its head now. And this is the yeah. problem, right? That yeah. We think that things will just go away, and of course they don't. Mm -hmm. um, and the irony is, I think a lot of people think that I'm a kind of lone voice. like Or people like me and Father Gide, who's mm -hmm. a, a gay priest in the Diocese of Chelmsford, um, people think that we're the only ones. Mm -hmm. But the reality is we know lots of black gay clergy, mm -hmm. and we know as black queer people that there's lots of us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, But I think people think this is kind of a specialist thing. Yeah. You know, and it's... it's me making noise about this small group of people over here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But actually, our lives are, are, you know, tied up with so many other people who are just like us, mm -hmm. actually. And it's mm -hmm. just because we're raising our heads more now and that people like us are beginning to put things onto paper in, in the UK doesn't yeah. mean we haven't been around forever. It's true. Well, that is the <laughs> truth, yeah. And trying, I guess, yeah, I guess maybe because we're in a time now where I guess more democracy of, democracy of thought is mm. more encouraged than it has been. Yeah. In other years, even though I mean it's still not perfect by any means, but yeah, and one of the things you mentioned actually was one thing that I really liked about the book is kind of like how when you were putting uh, kind of like Jesus's life, mm. Jesus's death, I think when you were putting it into kind of like a more of a socio political context at the time, mm. and then relating that to us as black queer people, which again, mm. I thought was quite was something that I've never come across before. Sure. Because that might like rob people off. Yes. <laughs> in a certain type of way. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. I think there's, there was for me a really big thing about, um, and it's funny because friends of mine have critiqued me on it recently and I can see their point of view. So looking at Jesus's death as a symbol for like, um, for where we can make sense of black life mm -hmm. is very powerful, but it's also problematic. And a friend of mine was, was highlighting this to me the other day and saying that basically if we always focus on Jesus's death as the symbol that interprets black life, then also we're, we're only interpreting black life through the lens of death. Mm. And actually mm. what does a risen Jesus have to say about black life, right, black yeah. joy? And that's something I think in the book I don't quite get to. Mm -hmm. um, so I focus a bit on the crucifixion more than perhaps is healthy. Right. Um, but I do see there's being something very powerful about the fact that Jesus's body is a wounded body. Mm -hmm. um, and looking at his scars um, as a way of connecting to black trans life as well. Yes, um, yes. You know, and the fact that Jesus's scars change him mm -hmm. and are an, are an important part of his own transition yeah. to becoming who, who, he, who he is for us mm -hmm. um, as a savior mm -hmm. post the cross. Yeah. Right? Um, because there's something that happens on the cross that does make Jesus um, someone to us who he isn't before that. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and it is a kind of transition for him. And I think there was something there about that narrative um, being offered to black trans folk and saying, yeah. actually, you know, there's, there's a real experience that Jesus goes through that is not completely divorced from yours. Yeah. You know, and yeah. actually that there were, there were bits of Jesus's own experience and his physical flesh yeah. that can relate to your own experience. 100%. Um, I actually think kind of that part of the book, I think that's like more towards the middle mm, of it. And mm. I think that's probably the most interesting sure. passage of writing that's in there. But again, in thinking about like one, I guess I have to say that I'm actually really happy that there is inclusion for trans people yeah. in our in our speaking about like black queer Christians and LGBTQ plus community mm. because I think like whenever we do have conversations like that, it's always so easy just to think about like just like black gay, gay people yeah, or yeah. black lesbians as if like it always starts and starts with us. Of course, of course. So I think the deliberate like inclusion of trans people one is something that 
we needed to have in it. Mm. Something that I'm very happy with. Mm. And then that like that idea of kind of like Jesus being crucified and having scars to show an experience. Yeah, yeah. Much like a trans person, it's mm. just obviously a way I was like something that I just never thought of before. Sure, yeah, sure, I'd sure. never thought of before. Yeah. And so that made me really, really think about it. Yeah. So yeah. And Mary's experience as well, that mm-hmm. as a you know, brown mother in in the Middle East losing her son to the powers of the empire. Yeah. And, you know, and that tying up with George Floyd's, you know, murder, murder and, yeah. and so many black women who have had to let go of their sons mm-hmm. you know, and daughters early. Yeah. Um, is another way also of giving Mary a bit of a higher profile within theology because I think she should have. Yeah. Um, as someone that we can look to as a model for Christian life, mm-hmm. you know? That's um, the truth. And yeah. who's actually does, I mean, she's the one that births Jesus for the world. Yeah. And yet actually, she's kind of sidelined often. Well, I guess, I like, she, yeah, she's like a supporting character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's such a shame. I guess it's kind of, it, it, the way that we think about Mary, I mm. think it's just very indicative of the way that we think about women. Absolutely. So yeah. like, I think like, we only think about Mary when it, when she's doing her duty yeah. and giving birth to a child. And now the child's- Christmas, right? <laughs> <laughs> duty, you know, yeah. Come on the yeah. stage at Christmas time <laughs> and then disappear. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, and now, she, yeah, now she's done her bit, that, let, that lets her move on. Yeah, kind of like she's resigned to, resigned to that bit, so. <laughs> that is very true in yeah, fact yeah. yeah so there no there's a lot I think about looking at the body of Jesus as a queer body mm-hmm. well, yeah you know, and I have had people funny enough who around going back to the trans inclusion stuff yeah who couldn't endorse the book because of my um, statements around the trans community like they found it it crossed the line for them really um, and these were black scholars as well yeah. on the whole um, yeah. theologians who and that was really interesting that you know I think a lot of books that have come out recently on race or sexuality, um, you know, tend to get some support from high-profile black folk. Mm-hmm. But when you bring race, religion, sexuality together, mm-hmm. and when you align yourself as an ally to the trans community, it is interesting those who have to distance themselves because yeah. they just don't feel they've, they're able to do the work. And I respect the honesty of those people to me, mm-hmm. you know, to say this. Um, but it does show you, like, we're on a journey in this stuff. That is yeah, not, people yeah. are much happier to get on board with the LGB stuff. Yeah. But the T and Q. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. But even for me, like, what you said in your writing, I wholeheartedly agree with. Mm. And I think it's important, and I'm glad it's in there. But, like, I don't, I think I'd be lying if I said to myself that when I was reading at the time, mm. like, a switch did go off in yeah. my mind. Not because I thought it was wrong, but because it's just a bit controversial, sure. you know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. It's fair. So it's like speaking about it in a way that you haven't before. Yeah. In a way that you know that some people might raise some objection to. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And there's particularly provocative language in the book at times. Oh, one hundred. There's a lot at the, and I think that's the thing that there are people for whom you have to think about who the audience is and yeah. not everyone is in the church still. Not everyone yeah. is um, on board either. So I'm thinking about those who are not your allies, those who are, those who are in the queer community who would just pick up this book by chance and who mm-hmm. aren't really on board with the other stuff. And mm-hmm. there's, there were terms and phrases that we get immediately yeah, I, yeah. that people in the church would never know of. 100%. But it will yeah. translate to... And I have to think, well, I'm not just writing for people in church. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm certainly not writing for a white audience either. Yeah. So there's bits of, like, patois in the book that I just don't translate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I think it's just for... Yeah, I mean, yeah. in the very, very early stage of the book, I think you were, like... You said something about <laughs> positioning the church as, like, a dumb top. And all of us have to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that. Bit. I feel so... <laughs> jumped out the page because sure. I wasn't expecting it, but... <laughs> And it's really annoying because I also, I also paint a particular picture of, of sub bottoms that is perhaps not fair either. Yeah. Like in, in that sense. Yeah. As if there's no kind of choice or um, agency. Mm-hmm. No, I, get, I mean, so I it's think, a problematic yeah. um, image. But it gets but the job it, done. Though. It does. Yeah. 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 I, I, I want about. It. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 I've already had someone mention that to me um, from from within the church and say, you know this is going to be an interesting thing when it comes to reviews. So yeah, we will see. But I really don't care. <laughs> I think that's the way to write, though. I think yeah. you don't want to write and think, oh, I wish I'd put this in there and, and wasn't too afraid to put, write this. So yeah. you yeah. don't have any regrets about what exactly. you've, what you've you put have on the page. Just... Yeah. I liked when you were talking a lot about, if you're going back to Grace, how mm. it's always seemed how us who are black and LGBT, what we have to do to change, to yes. be welcomed into the fold, mm-hmm. yeah. rather than the sort of, the church, as it were, or the white privileged elite, what they can do to change mm-hmm. the sort of the stances that oh, we don't need to do anything, yeah. and it's, all, it's the the burdens on 
on the on the sin the mm. sinful people to, to to do something, yeah. um, which is something I'd not really thought about before, and that kind of goes into the dumb top thing, like you know, someone's uncompromising, and it's exactly. about what they want and what, mm -hmm. not what the other person wants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think people within the community who've had experience of this will will get it in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people, the church just assumes the position of being right and yeah. of being the one with authority mm -hmm. and power and control. Yeah. Um, and there's not meant to be any kind of conversation about you know mm -hmm. how you might feel in this or yeah. what might work for you or yeah. you yeah. Know, how you feel you're made. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, it's just a kind of done deal, done conversation. Yeah, um, and it is problematic because yeah. Grace has something to say to both of us. Yeah, I think that's probably one of the most frustrating things when it comes to trying to deal with like religion as a queer person, as a black queer person, because. Everyone has their opinion. Everyone has their something to say about it. Yeah. We do it in the church, and like, uh, but there's no discussion. Mm. <laughs> there's like, it's God says this. Yeah. You're like this. You're like you're this unholy, unnatural. You need to um, like purge yourself from this sin, and that's that's completely it. Yeah, yeah. and we see yeah. too often people use they hide behind their own personal beliefs and think yes. that the scripture's backing it up 100%. Yes. yes, and I think that's why it's so useful when you you. I think you, there's a particular part you mentioned that you know. That um, in the New Testament, at mm. what point does Jesus mention homosexuality, or yeah. what point does he condemn it? Yeah. And the only thing that we can kind of take away is that it was like a case of he sort of had a message of love, like yeah. overriding yeah. everything. Yeah. But um, and it's funny. One of the things I I was determined not to do, and I think I say it really early on, is like I'm just not having the scriptural argument in this book about mm. whether it's okay for queer people to exist. And yeah, because, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I'm not going through the passages because books have done that before. I'm yeah, like, Matthew Vines, God in the gay Christian like does that so well mm -hmm. um, and yeah okay it's from it's from a white cisgendered heterosexual um, homosexual guy but I still think like the book has actually done the job in terms yeah. of looking at the scriptural references in detail mm. and going through them very yeah. well. I was like, I don't need to yeah. waste my yeah. time doing that. That's kind of the reason why you do, like why you write text like this to kind of exactly. like cover some of the new ground rather yeah. than like rehash rehash writing that's already been done. Yeah. Like yeah. reinventing the wheel, so to speak. That's right. So I'm pointing everyone in that direction if they want to <laughs> see that yeah. and read that. Yeah. Um, Matthew Viner's book is the place yeah. to go. I think one of the things that you do really well, in fact, with the book is to not make it instructional mm. or anything like that and i think because you have like a mixture so i can tell so for if nothing else what you can tell from it is that like you've been you've really thought about this you've really sure. read or you've read um like theologians you've taken your own experiences you've taken experiences from like black lgbt people from lady phil yeah. from uh jude mccauley from all these people and that's kind of all bound up in what this book is yeah. and I think that is one thing that makes it like it's not going to make it it's not going to make it daunting for someone to read True. because if I like if someone said to me I have this book that's on like theology I'm expecting it to be a bit dry be, yeah, yeah like sure. if, imagine, if you imagine it like <laughs> like food it'd be like kind of like you know those um those rice cakes, those Vita things that you have. Oh, right, yes. That's like really hard to Properly swallow dry. and like digest. Yeah, yeah. digest and stuff. Like like yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yours that's wasn't good. like that. And that's I felt, good. Yeah, that's and good. I felt like the language in it was directly speaking, kind of like directly speaking to me or to <laughs> us mm. or to like our experiences. And that's what I wanted. I was like, I, I had to keep imagining in my mind who I'm writing for and I thought and it's funny because lots of white folk have said to me can't wait to read your book and this kind of thing because there is an assumption I think now that when black folk write about experiences we're writing it for, for the, the white, white audience people, yeah. I, like, yeah. I find it really interesting yeah <laughs> because actually I speak about us and we a lot in the book and I am talking about black queer people. yeah yeah um, and I'm definitely not in this book at all trying to persuade people of like I mean I think I probably do the opposite but persuade people of like the validity of Christianity it's mm -hmm. not evangelism yeah. it's mm -hmm. not trying to defend the church it's not um trying to make sense of black queer lives yeah or Christians it's yeah. just saying you know we're okay as we are and mm -hmm. actually the church is the issue mm -hmm. um and like if people you, are part of it they're part of it you make that very clear I like it though, that you make that the church is the issue and yeah. it's it's not a case of as you said you're not trying to pitch the book to people who need to have their minds converted no. or something it's a case of you're sort of speaking your truth yeah, yeah. I like the is it in the just before it starts, the Baldwin um, quote. Yeah. You can only write from your own experience. And yeah. it's, mm -hmm. it's got to be, you know, you've got to strain out every like, last drop of it. Everything, yeah. Which is what you've done. I like it. Which mm -hmm. I found that quite traumatic though, at times. I think that, I think I say it in the preface to the book or somewhere that um, writing it just as George Floyd was murdered and Breonna Taylor, everything that happened at that time. Mm -hmm. And then in the pandemic, but then also just reading the accounts of, um, you know, those who had taken their own lives because of yeah. you know, being, being, yeah. 
um, gay and, and possibly coming out of a Christian context, but like reading all of that literature mm. yeah, and trying to write about it was just a lot. I can imagine, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, and I just had to kind of give myself pauses and stop yeah, a bit. And I think you kind of realise when you're writing from this experience how much of your own trauma just comes up from mm. one of people's 100%, accounts. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing I thought was the hardest in some ways. Yeah. Mm. And that's why, that's one of the reasons I respect James Baldwin so much is because he never stops mm. doing that himself. Mm-hmm. But you realise how much it costs you when you're actually committing yeah. stuff to yeah. paper and be like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's incredible. One last point, well, not last point, but like one of the things as well, I guess because we're used to we're used to consuming literature, consuming everything from like mainly from like white from white authors yep. that whiteness is at the center. Mm. So it made me realize. I think when I was like on oh, like, on the way to the traps or something, I think I've realized that like whenever I've read books before, mm. it's kind of been a test on like how I can empathize with someone I'm reading about because it won't like it won't necessarily quite match up with like how I feel or the way I see things. Yeah. And I think that, like, with the like with more black queer people, like yourself, mm-hmm. he is writing about a very specific experience mm-hmm. that, like, I have also shared. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like this is see, it's like seeing an account of yourself, of like your life, yes, and I, like I agree with that. Where you don't have to try and work out uh, which bits you can fit into the jigsaw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, like, it yeah. Make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah, I, I think that I think that's not a thing that you should really take for granted because no. I don't think I can I don't think I can name anything else that I've read that's been really been like that. Gosh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. there's um, so we had there's an author Paul Mendez who wrote mm-hmm. Rainbow Milk, which um, is about well, uh, he's like Jehovah's Witness, but sure. he's back in Cuba as well. But he got down a very different path. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got a similar feeling with reading that book though, whereas it's like. I, I could relate to things directly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't have to sort of translate it. I was, oh, this was kind of a bit like that. Kind of of thing. course. It, just, it just yeah. resonates with you straight away. Yeah. And, and you make a good point in the introduction about you want to see more people from a similar background writing because there is the a thing. gap there that needs to be filled. Yeah. Um, and so many stories to hear that we haven't heard. I really want that. I really hope that, because I think the book, although it does include, um, although in my mind when I'm writing, I'm thinking of the LGBTQ plus community as a whole. I do think because of my own positionality within that, um, actually the trans and queer non-binary communities could be more focused you know in at the center of that mm-hmm. um, but i think that is work for them to do and that's why i purposefully didn't want to to do that too much yeah mm-hmm. but i also think we do need um you know queer hindus queer muslims queer sikhs queer jews mm-hmm. all doing that writing as well mm-hmm. um and to do that from a british context is a different thing than reading mm-hmm. stuff from the us and from around the world yeah. mm-hmm. and if it does just encourage people to do that I'd be really happy. And also, there are so many more black queer Christian stories to be told from Britain and, and people to write theologies about this that I hope it maybe starts something. Yeah, because yeah. there's so much to talk about. 100%. Uh, and I think even, like, even if you, like, we're Christian, and I think that as Christian, well, I'm not talking myself a Christian, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you were questioning, you're like, not, yeah. not so sure, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I definitely believe in a Christian God. Okay, cool. I definitely do. And like, I pray every now and again, not right. as often as I probably should. Sure, sure. But like, because I've also, I've felt that Christianity isn't necessarily for me, mm. or like, they don't necessarily like me so much, why am I gonna like try and like try and beg like try and try and beg me part of the crew that you that you don't want me in anyway? Of course. And that is my energy. That's like my energy with ninety percent of things. That's that's key. Yeah, really. That's the energy has to be reciprocated. Yeah. 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 I like that. You spoke about that directly as well about mm. um, sort of sort of uh, or black LGBTQ plus people who have grown up, yeah. um, and what the reasons might be for either continued Christianity or moving away from it, moving to a different mm. religion or, or different belief system or being an atheist. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it is about that feeling of not being accepted. Exactly. You think, okay, then I'll go off and do my own thing then. Yeah. Because yeah. um, I, I wonder, because I'd i probably say I'm agnostic. Sure, sure. But I do wonder if I had listened less to like the voices of condemnation growing mm. up in church, if I still would be Christian. Because the, the point when I start to believe and I was like it was because I'm gay so yeah. this is never going to work out cool. yeah. like, I could go back in time though with this mindset I kind of thought well that necessarily didn't have to be the reason that would put me off no so no, no. something I've interrogated since then of course yeah. that's why I think visibility is so important of black queer Christians who have managed to find a way mm-hmm. because I think for younger folk who get to that point because I was also there 
um, if you see someone who's able to yeah. <laughs> to kind of stay within it and for whom it's kind of working, it does help. Yeah, because that's example, just, don't you? Yeah. Because rather than being like, oh, well, there's there's Christianity here exactly. and there's gay people yeah. over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or like Christianity only works for like white gays, and that's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. That's the image that you might have. Yeah. You see Christians at Pride on the whole. It's mm-hmm. white yeah. gay men who are there. Um, it's not as diverse, and it's it's Christians at Pride often. Uh, what I call white pride, which is you know the main one. Yeah, uh, it's the not re- Christians the re- that the fight. Republicans and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, the Im- that's the image I get. Though, this is the thing. It's all like super conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there is definitely something there for me. Yeah, like the importance of visibility and just you know letting yeah. people know who you are and mm-hmm. standing out. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing with Grace. I think after reading your book, I'm still like got rolling around in my head mm. because. It's, I thought about when we first started like talking about this on this podcast here, I was saying that like grace is usually piecemeal, not wholesale. Yes. So mm. it, like it's there for conditions. But in this book, you're saying that that's not what it is. Like grace is something that whatever, whoever you are, whatever you do, mm. then it's here, which means to say then that like God wanted me to be this way. Mm. Mm. And that is like, I, well, I, I don't really know what to say to that. Because, yeah, <laughs> it's it's like, it's, yeah, it's because I think the point you were, you've made is that the our understanding of grace has been by people gatekeeping it and kind of like yeah. doling out yeah. bits of it yeah. and making yeah. it actually it's not yours to dole out like, no this is the thing which is the thing is like that's it's so simple when we talk about it but when i read it i was like oh, i've never actually thought about that before yeah, like, right? it can <laughs> be, and it is a big thing so like the the tradition of the church that i come out of um confession is a really big thing and, mm-hmm. and you can go and see a priest you can confess to them as an individual and that's massive mm-hmm. um and i have a wonderful confessor who's father peter who's not too far from from where we are at the moment um, and in confession, you will literally have you laughing about stuff. Yeah. And it's a really okay. interesting thing. Yeah. So, you know, you go to this guy with all the things that are like burdening you. And in the middle of it, you just end up bursting out laughing. And it's <laughs> just how he wow. is as a yeah. confessor. But I was thinking about that because I think that's, that is, there's something about grace that is connected to that, which is actually that I think God finds the things that we find most serious about ourselves quite funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and actually the things that we think God can't deal with, God just like, that's just my child right, okay. being themselves. Yeah. You know, and Jesus didn't go to the cross for nothing. So God yeah. knew that we yeah. were always going to mess up and that we were always going to be people who were many things. And I think we have we have made grace do the opposite than what yeah. it meant to do. That actually, you know, the reality is whether it makes sense or not, there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more and nothing that we can do to make God love us less. That is, yeah, and we just kind of have to live with yeah. that and yeah. kind of get over it. But yeah. that to me, like, um, it sounds wild. Honestly, it sounds wild. And I think it is. Is. This is what the younger generations need to hear, though, that yeah, particular message. It's because they are living real lives and people yeah. mess up. And I think the problem is when you grow up in the church, you think that your first big, like, major sinful experience means you're done with. And yeah. that actually, God just finds you really repugnant and can't be with you. Mm-hmm. And that's when people begin to drift because yeah. they can't live with themselves in the presence of God. Yeah. Mm. But that's what we're meant to do. Yeah. Um, because, well, put, traditionally, because everyone, like, if you get if you get like ten priests in a room, mm. they will always say that God loves you in- unconditionally. Everybody always says that, mm, yeah. and they say that like come to God as you are. But what that but what that means is obviously you do want to get rid of sin, don't yeah. you? So yeah. what they mean by that is by you coming closer to God is you like taking away the sin, of which mm. is who I am and mm. who God made me. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's like a big difference between yeah. kind of like I don't know like traditional. I guess like traditional approaches to Christianity and to religion and to kind of like the message that you and other theologians that you quote are saying. Yeah, I think that. Sorry, I was gonna say you. You had was it cheap grace you called that yeah. when um, it's a guess of people saying come as you are yeah. and accepting everybody and there are some some in the church who don't accept that That's saying right. you know things have to be done first before we can get to that stage. Yeah, um, yeah. actually grace yeah. Not, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. Well, like, it's weird because I feel like it's indoctrinated in my head that it does work like that because <laughs> after all these years. But yeah, we need to we need to unlearn that. It's like yeah. deconstruction work. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> so like yeah. it's so lengthy because we're trying to undo so much and mm-hmm. I think. You know, the charge that people will make against me who are on the opposing side, particularly when the book is reviewed, I think, is that I they'll say that I don't believe in sin. Mm-hmm. And they'll say that I don't understand grace. Right. Um, which is fine. I have an argument to kind of <laughs> face that. Um, but I do understand sin. But I would say I, I understand and accept sin in the way that Jesus does, which is that actually the, the sins that seem to matter most to Jesus are things like ignoring the poor, not loving your neighbor, right. yeah. you know, mm. turning a house of God into a house of um, robbers and a den of mm-hmm. iniquity and, you know, um, overlooking those who are in need. Yeah. And that's precisely what I think 
people don't take seriously enough. Yeah. You know, the church has focused so much on the sin of homosexuality, and yet there are so many homeless people around. There are parents who are struggling to yeah. feed and raise their children. You know, yeah. footballers are having to feed our kids. Yeah. Know, or at least bring that to our awareness in this country. Mm-hmm. And it's like the church hasn't quite... It does a lot of good and a lot of charity, I know. Yeah. I see it firsthand. Yeah. But our focus, verb, like vocally, has yeah. been in the wrong place. We, we mm. don't condemn the powerful who who overlook and who treat the poor in awful ways. Mm-hmm. You know, our politicians who do whatever it is they want to do. The church doesn't say much about that, but mm. it does say a lot yeah. about homosexuality. It's an easy, easy target as well as it, it is. is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but the things that made Jesus mad were not... We're not gay people. Yeah, it's, so well, it's like, the truth. Yeah. I just didn't get it. And even when Jesus did come across people who in that time and, and perhaps in a Jewish context or Christian context were seen as living in sexual immorality, he doesn't treat them harshly. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Actually, he's got time for them. He just, mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, you, this is happening in your life. You're living this way. Mm-hmm. But I'm here, you know? And you're still a child of God, essentially. Jesus yeah. restores that relationship. And But I think... Cause, when you talk about sin, I've been through quite a few sermons about sin before. Yep. And one that's like, sin is basically like missing the mark. So like... <laughs> so much. Yeah, so like you've got this thing to hit. And yep. if you sin, you fall in below that. Yeah. Is that right? But that, but I think that would mean that, I guess... Because if we are who we are, then there's nothing we can do to... There's nothing we can do to ever reach, ever reach that mark. No. Nope. Because we are this way. Yeah. But I think, so, I think maybe it's that we we still can sin, but I think us being queer people and us thinking not, and feeling the way that we are with not what's missing the mark. At all, at all. Yeah. I think. And this whole thing about sin also being what, you know, anything that puts a distance between you and God, I'm just like, that's a load of rubbish because nothing mm-hmm. can distance God from us. Like, I just mm-hmm. think, I don't, that kind of talk, I just don't have time for. Yeah. I think it doesn't make sense. It's been developed by men, though, I think, exactly, in general. Just the yeah. idea that, oh, if you sin more, then you're further away from God, yeah. or you don't deserve this, or you need to repent. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, that part's true. But, um, <laughs> but it's just, I think it's, it's I, I guess, I, I, pro- I imagine it's from a sense of vanity that people have mm. to think that they're the holy ones, like the Pharisees. Yes. And that, oh, if we are the ones who behave the best, then God is more favourable to us. Exactly. And the more sins yeah. you do, the less, the less in favour you are. Um, and I think it's to make people kind of feel better about themselves or yeah. feel they're better than others because they're following a certain path and others aren't. And it's easy to fall in that trap, I think, even as a queer Christian, to be like, you know, oh, it's nice that I'm I'm in church every Sunday and I'm, like, doing the right thing and I'm, you know, I give money to charities and I do mm-hmm. a lot of charity work and I, you know, yeah, do all not, of this. But not, actually, yeah. at the end of the day, you still have to realise that in the eyes of God, that actually doesn't make you any better than yeah. your neighbour because yeah. your neighbour is still a child of God. Of course, like yeah. That, it's hard to reconcile that. With ourselves, but yeah. it's the truth, mm. I think. But it's a place of coming from non-judgment, yeah. isn't it? Which yeah. is, well, for me, it's hard anyway. Yeah, I, think, I think it's kind of spiritual maturity that I've seen yeah. in very few people. Yeah. Mm. You know? Um, yeah. That I think is quite rare, actually. It is. But, well, yeah. it's like, it's what, what, makes, what makes the world go around, isn't it? Like, make, make, what makes you feel good in your own position mm. is if you can look at someone else and think that, like, at least I'm, I'm more... I'm gonna say more pious, like more holy than this mm-hmm. person is, yeah. and I feel like if you put any homo, any like homosexual person, mm-hmm. and then there's a spiritual person who is straight, they just automatically think from the from the yeah. beginning yeah. that of course, like I'm going to heaven, I'm yeah. doing the right thing because I'm the I'm this image I'm supposed to be, and these person aren't, these people aren't. It's a little hierarchy system, isn't it? It is. It's like, it's like poker hands as well. Yeah, um, you'll never beat me because this fundamentally I'm a straight person, and fundamentally <laughs> you're, you're gay. Yeah, um, I don't know. If you think that straight people are like cool when it comes to sexual immorality and don't have any of that, you know, just watch Love Island. And well, you see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like it's not, yeah. it's not exactly hidden. And all these people who, who I mean. You know, I think more and more people are coming to realise that lots of the marriages that when we were children we thought were perfect were not. Very flawed, And yeah. as you get older, mm. people are kind of more honest with you, even within our own families, I think, about the realities of this thing. You begin yeah. to realise that none of it was this perfect image of well, what we thought it was, Yeah, you know? To, and in, I mean, to be honest with you, that is the one a great taboo in the church, isn't it? Is the whole idea of marriage. Like, you, there are always, in every congregation, the one that I was in, there were always like certain families, certain couples, and their like hallmarks of like 
the like the hallmark of what like a black Christian mm, family yeah. should be, <laughs> and they're the one that's always lifted up. And everybody knows, man, they've got stuff going on. Exactly. Husband cheating on wife, mm. wife doing up all this, man. Yeah, like yeah. everybody knows it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Everybody knows, but nobody. That's completely unspoken. <laughs> But yeah, you can turn around and tell me that. Yeah, tell me that. Um, <laughs> this is the thing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this one seems personal. It really does. It really does. Who do we need to name? <laughs> what church is that? <laughs> I do think churches could become places where people were a bit more honest, right? Yeah. And I think that's that's. If I had one hope, it would be to see. And I've I've encountered them now and again, but where people are just able to be like, "This is who I am. Yeah. This is my family. This is my context." You know, here's what I live with, here's what I struggle with, here's what I love, here's what I enjoy, here's what I hate. Mm-hmm. This is me. Yeah. And they're just part of one community together. And I think I think you can nurture that, but it takes time. Yeah. And yeah. I think that kind of community is a really healthy one for people to be in because mm-hmm. you know, people are not wearing masks, so to speak, when they come through the door. Yeah. You know. You mentioned that a lot actually. Yeah. In your um in your book is that whole idea of wearing a mask mm-hmm. of like um, coming into a place where you're supposed to come as you are, mm. when actually you come with who you're supposed to be, yep. and that all needs to be removed. You do. Yep. One thing I noticed actually, because well, we we spent well, spent like an hour and a half together doing the last podcast. Of course, yeah. I only I saw you speak for ten minutes, and when I was reading, when I was reading your writing, mm. I feel like the, the way you write is a lot like the way you talk. Yeah. So, um, for instance, when we did the last podcast, you were talking about, like, I think Kieran asked, like, how you reconcile being queer with being Christian. You were like, I don't really know what that looks like. (laughs) And you say that a few times in in the novel. And I remember um, when you did your 10 minutes, like, on the clock, but the, uh, the only thing that you really got there was basically, like, like the love bit, like, the love aspect of of God. Yeah, yeah. And And that is what, I think comes through in the writing as well. Mm, so yeah, mm. there's definitely the, a big correlation in the way that you'd talk to someone if you're addressing them and the way you write That's good to as know. well. They say that every preacher only has one sermon and I think it's true. Yeah. And I think mine is <laughs> definitely be like all about the love of God basically <laughs> yeah. in like 60,000 different ways of saying that. Yeah. I think if you've only got like a, a short space of time and even, even if the sermon is longer than 10 minutes, you've probably got, you know, 10 minutes worth of people's attention. Mm. Yeah, um, true. You, they need to hear one good thing to take away and that is because mm-hmm. I think I say it in the book as well like everyone knows that they're not perfect we know yeah. that so we don't actually need the church to tell us this like mm-hmm. people know mm-hmm. um, so I think the the message that people need mostly is that um, you know God God loves you and that's mm-hmm. got to be the most important thing yeah and I think well def- especially for us for mm. people who may not have received or felt like they've received grace yeah. so much I think we probably need that positive reinforcement a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah? It's kind of scary when I get to talking about the abolition of the church and that kind of yes, stuff. Yes, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> so I forgot that about that. That was the thing I thought you were going to say when you said about page 112 or something. Yeah, I, like... I th- yeah, I remember, yeah, I remember that now being... Again, very controversial. <laughs> it was inspired by that little kid, that black kid in America, yeah. who takes the microphone in church and says, I'm tired, I'm tired of the church. I'm tired of the church. Yeah, but it was like... Because I could relate. I yeah. Was like, yeah, me too. You know? Yeah. Probably for different reasons, but... Yeah. yeah. So. That bit... So, I, I'd never seen... I'd never come across it before I read that passage. Mm. And then I and then I watched it. And it was, as you described, it's like a boy... And like, he was Poor no kid. older... Yeah, five or six. Mm. He can tell he's from a family where, like... When you're going to church, that's an event. So Yeah, and he has to keep quiet about... Yeah, it. and yeah. dressed up... Yeah, and like dressed to the nines... Um, the whole shebang. <laughs> he was yeah. over it. Yeah, yeah. and like, I can tell when, like, when the guy, when the guy went to the mic, they expected him to say something like really awe-inspiring, <laughs> like "Hey, Jesus." <laughs> and then when he says, "I'm tired of this church," it was like it was like a collective shock. Like, yeah. I thought he was gonna sing. Like, I, yeah. I saw it. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I love yeah. It is. Well, I think one thing with when you mentioned abolition of church, because I guess that is a very controversial statement. Mm. But I think I knew what you meant course, when yeah. you were writing it. Like, I didn't. I didn't think you like. I didn't think you meant like. Let's go down. Let's, let's go there to tell. Stop down. Yeah. <laughs> Raise no. it to the ground. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but 
yeah, I didn't think I, when you read it, I didn't, I didn't read it like that. I didn't read like, yeah, like we, like, we got writing at dawn. I of didn't read, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hard hats and yeah. bad covers on, boys. No, I didn't read it like that. I read that more of a saying that like the church needs to be abolished because remember the church isn't building church of people exactly isn't it? Yeah. so like it's like kind of like the institution yeah. that yes, needs yeah. to be abolished like all of these rules all of these cool. laws all of these things that people have put in place mm. that keep some people on the up yeah. and some people going down yeah. Yeah. so yeah. yeah I think when I read that passage about ab- abolishing the church mm. I guess it was like you got it yeah it, it was surprising yeah. to hear but yeah. it wasn't I guess it. Con- I guess it could be controversial. I didn't. I didn't take it that way. I guess because I think I knew what you meant. Of course. Of yeah. Course. And really, what I'm talking about is the restoration of the church. Really, yeah. Actually, it needs to become mm. more like what Jesus had in mind, which obviously was not this yeah. massive, rich, powerful institution. Yeah. I think it needs to be said. I didn't find it controversial per se, but mm. it's something that in my mind I kind of think it's never going to happen. Yeah. But it's something that needs to happen. Everyone knows it needs to happen. Yeah. yeah. However, the people who the current structure benefits. Are the ones running the show, yeah, and if you're running the show, why you're not going to want to change. Exactly, yeah, yeah, so exactly. Yeah. yeah, and there's a kind of awkwardness also about saying it because, of course, I'm one of the people that benefits in a way from yeah. the institution being the way it is. Not entirely, obviously, because yeah. I'm a black queer Christian. But um, I think those of us who say that have to be willing also to lose out. Then mm. you know, yeah. if, the, if the institution falls apart, that has to cost us, and yeah. it would yeah. as well. Um, but that has to be a cost that's that's worthwhile if we're gonna. Mm-hmm. be able to do I think the church has so much potential and capacity yeah. but not as it is yeah. I'm seeing that I mean I don't want to go down another rabbit hole but I, it's similar to comparisons people make about white supremacist patriarchy yeah. mm-hmm. and saying that you know for things to actually change if there to be actual equality then this structure which has been going on for centuries and centuries yeah. that needs to eventually dismantle but cool. it's like what does that look like and is it, it's not <laughs> yeah. in our lifetimes but yeah. Yeah. when will it happen yeah. I don't know but what will it what, what will it what will it look like is a really it's a really interesting question because how how will we know? I think like, when we actually reach it, and like, this probably sounds ridiculous, even just me thinking it in my head, but it'd be a case of where race just wasn't an issue across exactly, the board. Yeah. When people say they're colorblind, yeah. it's a ridiculous thing because we just know it's not true. Yeah. But in like let's say a million a millennium time, it might actually be a logical phrase. Of course, but now I just can't see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just can't see that. It sounds like a, it sounds like a pipe dream minute. But it's nice to have this idea. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> but I just don't. Be. But I just don't think that it ever will be a good thing for us to be colorblind. So mm. I think that, like, I just, that even if, like, mm. what we want is, I don't want everyone to be the same. I don't want everyone just to be seen as, like, just this one thing. No. Yeah. It's, when I say colorblind in this context, and I just want to make it, make it clear, I don't believe in that at all. But I mean, <laughs> yeah. But I think it's more of a case of where you look at someone's race and you wouldn't attribute that to, a, like, a high level or low level of power. Right. You wouldn't have negative, I see, negative right. or positive preconceptions. Right, You I wouldn't see. see a black person in charge and think, oh, that's unusual. Um, yeah, right. I, to I get, get that. A day where that actually happens. Is, yeah. 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 Again, I think that's that that what that would be what a dismantling. Of course. Well, here's a question for yeah, you, yeah. though slightly off topic. We mentioned slightly about obviously we talk about pride, like mm. pride in London. We have pride in London and UK Black Pride. Yeah. I was specifically talking about pride in London. The thing, like. Definitely from Kieran and I, and I think from you, Joel, um, I take Pride of London as to be kind of like very white, mm. very like white-centred. Mm. And that is one of the reasons why like I would I would attend Pride, I'd go to the parade, I would have a drink, I would enjoy it, but I don't necessarily think it's for me. No. I don't think it represents me very well. Yeah. I don't think, uh, I just don't think it does. Mm. Whereas Black Pride, on the other hand, completely represents me. I feel at home there. Yeah. I feel like I can learn things. You get everything from it that you think you should get out of prayer. But the question is, so what would have to happen? So if you had to think about it, mm. what would what would have to happen for pride in London or any pride across the country to think that it's for us, as well as just for white just for for white people? I think it would have to it would have to begin to get to know and also. Um, you know, mix with the black queer community. Yeah. There's a reason why we're not there, not just in terms of our attendance, but our actual like representation in terms of who runs the show. And yeah. Who goes. Like actually, I don't find it um, attractive in any way. Yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah. Um, like the mainstream gay culture. Yeah. Like so much really would have much to change. No. Like, I mean, yeah. and it's funny because like every now and again on Instagram, there'll be a page of like men 
all posted like whether it's their bodies or whatever on Instagram and it'll be a page of white men almost mm. all the time yeah mm. it's the almost and that's also yeah. part of like the white pride gay culture mm-hmm. pride in London gay culture that actually yeah. this is what it's where the 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 center the hegemonic center of that whole thing is mm-hmm. is the white male body mm-hmm. um, and I just don't have time for that so I think mm. they would have the the outlook and perception of what the LGBTQ plus community looks like would have to change at the core of pride. That's yeah. the problem. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and I don't see that happening. Yeah, because um, with being, I think, quite high profile, that um, I think it's Ramel Affleck, mm. who was uh, a very high, well, high profile volunteer and yeah. very high profile, like, um, resigned. Mm. And there was all this media for her because he called it out for being racist. Yeah, yeah. And there have been some like changes in management now, but like mm, yeah. I don't see anything different to anything that had gone before. Think, did we touch on this when we, we did about Pride, Pride before? A, a few yeah, weeks ago we did like oh, a really? Pride episode. Okay, and yeah. I think I can't remember what I said, but I think I went like, I think we were talking about what would inclusion look like. Yeah, yeah. and then my kind of thing, I don't really care about inclusion. Maybe that's bad, but I'm no, I, I'm, I'm quite happy with a separate Pride. That's right. Not I'm separate at. in the segregation this way, but just separate in isn't that event has. A distinct kind of vibe to it. Yeah, I'm not particularly interested in it. I'm, I'm not we have our thing and it works, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, it's hard to say that and not get accused of being, you know, exclusionary. Well, subjugation. Yeah, I can handle the the accusation. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> UK Black Pride only exists because you lot wouldn't make space for us at yours. So yeah, it's true. I, really like, I remember mentioning that Cassie's a work colleague like ages ago. Um, it would have been 2019 when I came down to, to go to Pride. So we're going to do London Pride on the Saturday, yeah. the UK Black Pride on the Sunday. I think I like, you know, I slipped that very quickly into the conversation. <laughs> I tried to keep it moving. He goes, oh, Black Pride. Why are you going to Black Pride? What's wrong with the normal Pride? Mm. And I, was, I just shut the conversation. <laughs> I think this is someone who probably doesn't engage in these topics very often. So mm. I was like, I'm not having this conversation. No, I, just, you know I just kept it moving. Yeah. Like, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, there was too much to dissect and too yeah. much to get into. But um, And it's not just the, it's not just the representation. It's also not wanting to be fetishized yes. in a white space. That, for well, me, is always yeah. bigger. Like, I don't, need to, yeah. I don't need to be surrounded by black bodies, but I definitely don't need to be surrounded by white bodies. Yeah. Mine, That's true. In a particular yeah. way. And I That's think that, true. for me, is... Oh, one hundred percent. It's like thing. it's 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 so like it happens so much. Yeah, it's not, it's not all being paranoid and think of a threat that isn't there. Um, mm. It just happens all the time. Yeah, so, all the time. Right? <laughs> I agree with you both. I mean, I one, I'm very happy that the UK Black Pride, and I'm very happy that it's separate as well. Yep. But at the same time, I think to myself that if we're separating ourselves away from this main pride, mm. that means that if you think of pride mm. or LGBT or a pride in London, or a pride in Manchester, or whatever, it's just always going to be a white man that you think of, isn't it? Mm. That's never going to change. And I think that I'm trying to get to a space where, like me, like this is supposed to be for me. Yeah. Like this space, this setting is supposed to be for me. Of course. So I need to be, I need to insert myself into this space to get what, like to get from it what we should be. Sure. Because we haven't, and history shows us that we can't ask for it, mm. we can't beg for it, mm. we can't be pleading like, please, Massa, let me have a, <laughs> let me have a come on. We can't Absolutely be doing that kind not. of thing. Yeah, yeah. Just because this conversation comes at every time there's an award ceremony for yeah. uh, whether it's BAFTAs or Oscars, yeah. and about oh how this film wasn't nominated or Michaela Cole wasn't nominated for I May Destroy You. Mm. Yeah, the conversation I had a few months ago then. And there's always, you get the typical arguments, and one that does come up all the time is a case of, well, why do we even care? Like, <laughs> yeah, and which is one thing. But, <laughs> but then uh, I guess when it comes to sort of entertainment or any anything where there's a ladder to climb and money to be made, you are going to think, well, why do I have to go and do my thing to the side when there's something that exists here and there's already yeah, a massive exactly. structure and it's That's beneficial? Um, but it does, it can descend sometimes into feeling like people are begging for crumbs and, yeah. and attention. To the mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think because I think because we just see as humans, we see where the power is, yep. and people are attracted to power. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that, for me, there's also something about language, like for, and also just thinking that for me, you know, UK Black Pride could be the main pride. It is the main pride. I just think, well for me, the pride. Yeah, and I think the other one feels very generic as well. Yeah. Other, yeah. What distinguishes London Pride from other prides that you see in other major cities? Exactly. Like, yeah. Nothing for yeah. me. It's like I, this. You could repeat the scene in, in any any city across the world. Yeah. You get Black Pride. It has a very specific atmosphere mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Um. So that's the one that matters more to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. And with that, but like with UK Black Pride, you feel like you can learn. You feel like you can grow. But you feel like you can just like rejoice. Yeah, exactly. Just be. Yeah. Happy, like it's the only place you can go to. Where you could see, like I said, uh, what like a Beyonce impersonator, and like 
go to a talk with like people who've been refugees because mm. of their because of their sexuality. Mm. I don't think I've seen a seen one space that caters to both of them and does it well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I mean, and London Pride I think has lost a bit of its kind of like radical social justice edge, which is yeah the, was the whole point of well, Pride yeah. in the first place. So, so. you have to keep up. We have to hold on to that though, because I, I see mainstream Pride as just quite frivolous. Yeah, mm. and I, I want I'd hate for our one. To become, to be, yeah, yeah. To it's, yeah. Yeah. it's so important. As it becomes more popular, I guess that'll be something that the leadership, the organisation, have to really think about. Yeah. Yeah. success. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the leadership are really clear though on like who they do and do not want there in terms of you know, yeah, government polit- and people and other others as well, like the yeah. police and stuff. That yeah, that kind of clarity. I think yeah, UK Black Pride. I've always felt it's got a very clear mind about where it's at mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what its purpose is. Yeah, um, which is good. The last time it was on, we had um, Auntie Dawn, Auntie Dawn Butler, <laughs> yeah, that. and we had um, an Auntie Auntie Diane, Auntie well? Diane really? as well, yeah. I think I saw yeah. Auntie Diane. I I booked a train ticket back at like seven pm to go wow. back up north. Yeah. Um, and then as I was leaving, I was like, it's just starting to get good. We've been there all day. I was yeah. like, oh, that's, that's actually schoolboy. <laughs> it's just leave. stayed overnight again. That yeah. So funny. Like when we went, it was in two thousand and nineteen. It was mm. it was online both this year and the year course, before. Yeah. Um, I think that we had just like we were not prepared basically. Like <laughs> when I went, I just I just like dressed really conservatively. Like, really? Had like long, yeah, had like long. You were just for church, on. yeah. <laughs> it was on a Saturday, yeah. Yeah, and everyone like everyone was rocking wild oh people in like batty riders in like people getting dress. daggered in the corner. Getting, <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. I've got this so wrong. Oh my god! Didn't understand the assignment. Yeah, 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 like, <laughs> come better next year. Yeah. Come prepared. It's cool. Twenty twenty two. Twenty twenty two. I am. I am putting. I'm putting. There were no stops. Yeah, no stops. You'll see me out here. Oh like gosh. whatever you see, just face your phone. Yeah. <laughs> I find the business. We're looking out for angels. There we go. Oh my gosh. <sighs> So yeah, so we've spoken at length about the book, mm. Black, Gay, British, Christian, Queer. Um, so like, what is what is next? What's going to happen next? Gosh, well, the book comes out end of this month, end mm-hmm. of July. Um, because it's the end of July and it's like August and then September, I'm not actually having a proper book launch until October because mm-hmm. it gives people time to actually read it at least and buy it mm. and yeah. book reviews will be out and stuff. Um, and then that's it, just kind of see what response there is to it and yeah. see how people feel about it and kind of take it from there, to be honest. So mm-hmm. there's a few interviews coming up um, on the radio and a few things that will be done in newspapers and print and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully a few more podcasts as well and yeah. stuff and yeah. just see. Yeah. Um, but it's really, I mean, with a book, you just really don't know until people have had a chance yeah. to... The endorsements have been great. People have been mm-hmm. amazing, but yeah. it's kind of, it's still early days. How are you feeling about it, like, getting out there, like... I don't, I don't know it's kind of it is like putting your child out yeah. into the world and other yeah. people just you know being able to do whatever they like it's kind of weird but um, people have been so positive so far mm-hmm. so that feels good mm-hmm. but I think and uh, there's a criticism I'll expect and some of that will be valid but you just never know until yeah. the right stuff to be honest so we'll yeah. see but I was, I was going to ask actually in, the, in your like sort of the publication process mm. any of the people any of the people you worked with like sort of Christians or they're all sort of coming from a different background and I have no idea really. we never really talk about their mm. own faith perspective I know that in because it's such a long process between mm. like when you hand in a first manuscript and then it finally being like done mm. and a lot of the questions that people raised up suggested to me that maybe they weren't necessarily mm. Christians or um, there were lots of things that people didn't really get and wondered why I had phrased things in a certain way and that yeah. kind of stuff but I think from a mix of backgrounds, so it'd be really interesting to know what they made of reading the actual text themselves mm-hmm. yeah. and getting mm-hmm. it prepared and stuff. Because I did wonder, because obviously they'll do the job and they'll look at the facts and do yeah. research and stuff, but I wondered if anyone would have like their own personal input to put on it or to ask you about in in, um, in like the editing process. I just, yeah. just wondered. Um, you would hope not, it. right? Surely. No, no. Oh, yeah. no I mean, more of a, oh, this was interesting kind of thing. Not like a critique way, but just right. like, oh. like, um, like, um People yeah, did. So I always get the like process wrong. So there's like a proofreader, copy editor, typesetter. They all do very different things. Mm-hmm. But each of them send you queries, mm-hmm. and some of them are kind of factual things, and some yeah. of them are just wondering if you've read this paragraph again, if it makes sense to you, because I didn't get it, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a bit of that, um, and just suggestions and things, um, which was kind of helpful. But I don't know really. There, there wasn't much of that. Other people kind of giving me their take on mm-hmm. what I had written. I think they really genuinely tend to leave it to the author to basically write, mm. you know, and then respect what they've come up with. Yeah. Unless it's 
unfactual or you know <laughs> offensive or just completely wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But apart from that, on the whole, I mean, something that would then come back on the on the public on yeah. the publishers. And I think it goes for like a legal team, which you yeah. haven't accused anyone of anything. All that kind yeah. of stuff goes, you know, <laughs> yeah. is in there just to make sure. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I I think one of the things I wished. I could have done is if I hadn't written it in the middle of a lockdown and in the middle of a pandemic is to sit down and talk to a lot of the people mm. um, who are connected to um, black British LGBTQ plus activists and stuff from the past and mm-hmm. from the present. And that just wasn't possible. Yeah. You know, in my yeah. head, when I signed the contract, I was like, I'm going to have all these coffees with people. and like, we're going to talk about, mm. about stuff, but I just couldn't do it on zoom. Number one. And yeah. also just arranging that felt really pressured and yeah. it wouldn't have been the same kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a shame, but oh, no, I mean, it's kind of hard to. I think when it's when you have a project like one that is like as I guess maybe sometimes so at times like all the encompassing of that. Yeah. You kind of after you've done it, I guess it's easy to look back on like how it's, things would have been. You really have to just would have been yeah. But I think as long as you've got like the work now mm. and you're happy with the work, with the writing, with everything there, I mean that's an achievement. That's like yeah, such a huge it's achievement. Something. It's something. So yeah, so what it's um what well, we should probably yeah, start start wrapping up. Cool, cool. So, um your book it's Black, Gay, British, Christian, Queer, A Church and a Family and Grace. Yeah. Out in July thirtieth, that's, that's right. right. Yep. And where can we get it where can we get it from? From SCM Press, from Blackwells, Waterstones, um and Amazon mm-hmm. and lots of other places as well. So you say in um Blackwells. Yeah, got to mind from university. Oh, really? like, yeah. The big <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, um, I'd, I'd never heard of Blackwell before I started going to university. Sure, sure, sure. And then after, well, yeah, but yeah, it's very exciting. It is, right. it is. And I You've hope got, so. yeah, just over a week until it comes out. Yep. Yeah. Much more press to do, yeah, much lot. more questions to answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be busy, literally. So, yes. Um, it, you can stay steadfast. Thank you, thank you. And it's been so great to chat to you both as well. Yes. Oh, as ever, as ever. Yeah, thank you so nice much for joining us for this this episode, this no very special episode. Okay. I mean, like the first one we've done in in studio. Oh, great. Hopefully not the last. But yeah, I think it's been great. I feel like I've, every time we speak, I learn something new. Sure. And sure. that hasn't, that's been the same this time around, so... Great. So, yes, anything you wanted to say, Kieran, anything you wanted to ask? Thanks to the book, thanks for putting on paper sure. what a lot of us may not have thought or maybe sort of been subconsciously aware of and just yeah. covering subject matter that hasn't been put out there before and it's so important and mm-hmm. it's a great read. Thank you. Yeah, I think, yeah, what Kieran said, I guess maybe we should say thanks for, like, saying what we were thinking. Sure, <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> saying it well. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> no, I definitely did it for us. That was definitely yeah, a thing. Like, yeah. It's done. And, yeah, and it, it, it felt like that. It That's felt great. like it was coming from a perspective from someone, someone with a perspective that I share, and it was extrapolated, all the ideas extrapolated in that way. Perfect. And I don't think, I don't think that sometimes is always an easy thing to do, yeah, but you sure. managed to do it and you did that well. So, thank you. That's great. But if there's nothing else, then that's it. Um, we're Black Boy Joy Podcast. Um, we're all good at, we're available on all good streaming platforms. Follow us on Instagram, we're Black Boy Joy Podcast. On Twitter, we're it's what, B-L-K-B-O-Y pod. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> okay. um, you can email us if you have any questions or queries at blackboyjoypodcast at gmail.com. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks once more to Jarrah for Yeah, thanks again. Um, That's over.